Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, who are excited to introduce their all new Rate Shield Approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Rate Shield Approval is a real game changer, and here's why. Quicken Loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop, and if rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops, so you win either way. It's the kind of thinking you would expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com. It's Monday, October 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker. Happy Monday. Thank you. Do you feel the crisp fall air? It's finally fall here in the Washington, D.C. area. I was in Boston over the weekend, so I mean, this is balmy. <laughs> I was going to say, even crisper air up in Boston? Pretty crisp. It was uh, low to mid 30s uh, some of the time, overnight anyway. That's good to hear. Uh, we're going to dip into the full mailbag. We're going to get into earnings, and we're going to start with Hasbro. Shares of the toy maker down 5% this morning. Hasbro's Third quarter profit and revenue came in lower than expected. They appear to have some operational problems at Hasbro, and I'm basing it on the fact that the CEO, Brian Goldner, came out and basically said, yeah, the demand was there, and we couldn't meet it. Uh, yeah, well, that, that was part of the issue. The headline that they're promoting, and this was, I think, maybe a little bit of a kitchen sink kind of quarter, uh, but they, because they've they've taken some some uh, uh, write downs and things, and they're going to take a, a, an expense for some reorganization. Uh, but sales off twelve percent, and the lead issue continues to be Toys R Us, and there are no Toys R Us stores that are that are open now. So that's their largest distribution channel, and I think they had given last quarter some indication. That they had optimism about being able to counter that effect, and this quarter uh, they've kind of come out and said, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> "It seems like they've said more than just eh. <laughs> that's that's part of what they've said. They've also said they have had some problems, I think, with their uh, inventory controls in Europe, and uh, as you say, a little bit of a um, issue with meeting where the demand is because uh, it is not apparently at the closed Toys R Us stores. So shipping their goods to those places turns out to be a bad idea, and shipping them to the new places is something they're still getting down. Yeah, see, that's that's the part that I have a little bit of a hard time wrapping my head around. That on the one hand, we're going to go out and say Toys R Us was such a stuck-in-the-mud, going-nowhere, bricks-and-mortar business that it needed to completely go out of business. Um, and yet, it was so valuable to companies like Hasbro that here we are, what are we, nine months after the liquidation of Toys R Us, and Hasbro is still... I mean, they knew this was coming. So, I, I Kind of have to lay the blame at the feet of Brian Goldner and his team at Hasbro because they knew this was coming, and you don't get to have it both ways. You don't get to say, "Gosh, that that business is, uh, yeah, they need to shut their doors completely," and then just go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Look, let me tell you why we're having troubles. Toys R Us. That thing was a gold star for us." Yeah, well, I don't think they were the ones saying Toys R Us really needs to shut down. Uh, that was more the market that was saying Toys R Us needs to go because it can't pay its bills. It's not uh, not able to manage its uh, business any longer in the era of Amazon, and so 
it still was a jarring thing uh, because the the thing about Toys R Us was there was at least some hope and some reason to believe that it was going to go through a reorganization rather than bankruptcy and just shut. And so that may have caught uh, Hasbro by surprise to a degree. And if it did, then that is something that you take away from uh, points for management. And hopefully, bonuses this year will be affected by by that. Uh, but you know, on the whole, uh, sales down twelve percent. A lot of this had to do with uh, so the franchise brands were down five percent, and the partner brands were down thirty seven percent. Uh, partner brands like Disney and, and Marvel. Uh, the gaming was flat. Emerging brands up two percent. So weakness everywhere, but especially with the partners. And the partners are doing a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of getting the movies out that uh, create the demand for a lot of these these toys. So what should we be watching with Hasbro over the next six months? You know, they're they're talking today about we might have to lay off as many as. Ten percent of our global workforce. They've got about fifty-five hundred employees worldwide. Uh, where should where should the evidence come from in terms of turning this ship around? Well, I think that the traditional classic toys, the board games, and and some of the action figure things uh, are likely to be uh, in. Uh, you know, under pressure for a long time, uh, they are the cash cow. But uh, really, you're looking at the the gaming and the the movie part of the business that would be more interesting and and a more likely grower in the future. Let's move on to Polaris Industries, uh, maker of off-road vehicles, motorcycles, snowmobiles, etc. Uh, third quarter results look good. Profits came in higher than expected. Overall sales did as well. Why is this stock down today? Because this seems like it was, by most measures, a rock solid quarter for Polaris. Well, uh, I guess, you know, I'm going to have to help you out here. That's why I'm here. That's why I have you here. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you are confused as to why the stock is down. Excellent question. And yet the stock is up. Is it? It's up six percent. Oh my goodness! It was so, down earlier. Know, so there's where your confusion is. Why is why didn't it start up? Why did it take the market a few minutes today to figure out what was going on when it should have had all the information uh, in front of it uh, right from the announcement? Uh, so Polaris is up six percent, and that's because it had a pretty good quarter, uh, but it's had a terrible year, and and it's had good year on the top line. And it's had an easy year to compare itself to from last year. So, uh, diluted earnings per share were up 17% for the quarter. Uh, some of that's helped by taxes, uh, and the sales were up 12%. General strength in a lot of different categories, particularly in the Indian um, motorcycle division, which is benefiting, I think, from the turmoil. Some of it uh, political, cultural uh, around Harley, and and so. Uh, Polaris is picking up some of the disenchanted uh, Harley uh, purchasers. They're both under pressure. So one of the reasons why the stock has been under pressure all year is the same thing that's going on with uh, you know RVs and everybody else who is building things out of steel and aluminum, and the tariffs have really landed upon the backs of 
uh, all of these companies, and Polaris has done a reasonably good job of mitigating some of those pressures, and the taxes are a help to all those companies as well in terms of having bottom line profits, even though their margins uh, are contracting. Uh, but you know, for the whole, you know, sometimes Polaris's earnings are affected by weather for for the snowmobiles and some of the off road stuff. Uh, but you know, it's got a lot of different brands. It's moving into uh, boating as well, uh, and it's mixed into a pretty decent quarter for this uh, outdoor lifestyle company. When you look at this business, uh, and I mean, the stock has not been a great performer. Uh, over the past year, over the past five years, when you look at the business, do you think to yourself they might do better if they pared down? If they said, you know what? And I don't know which of their divisions is the least profitable, but if, for example, snowmobiles are not as big a money maker as off-road vehicles, then maybe they need to get out of that business. Well, I think the off-road, some of the weakness in the stock, and you point out correctly that it has been a very weak stock over the last five years. Uh, and if you go back over the last ten, over the last fifteen years, that's a better story. And why? Why is that? Because it's continued to grow uh, over the last five years. But it was quite weak ten years ago. Ten years ago, of course, was you know the recession was was peaking. Many things were quite Many things weak. Was, was pretty <laughs> bad. But, but yeah, something like this company, which is highly discretionary purchases, off-road vehicles. Uh, boating, um, you know, motorcycles to, to are, are used more in, in actual transportation for some, uh, but this was extremely discretionary, and so it was hit particularly hard then. Uh, over the and I think that if you go a little further back, let's say to 15 years ago, the growth of off-road vehicles looked like it, I mean it was really exciting growth, and I think that that certain people. Got too excited about just looking out further and and thinking that that kind of growth was going to continue forever. Uh, it really hasn't. It's continued to be a good division for the company, but when you scale back projections of you know thirty, forty percent annual growth down to something like teens, you get very different uh, valuations for the company. We're going to dip into the full mailbag in just a minute, but first, a uh, quick word about buying a home. Because of rising interest rates, and they are rising. A lot of unpredictability when it comes to buying a home, and it's causing some folks to get nervous. And our friends at Rocket Mortgage are doing something about it. They're calling it the power buying process, and it works like this Quicken Loans will verify your income, assets, and credit in less than 24 hours to give you a verified approval, and that gives you the strength of a cash buyer. So once you're verified, you qualify for their all new exclusive rate shield approval. They'll lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. And the best part is, if rates go up, and they just might, your rate stays the same. If rates go down, your rate also drops. So, either way, you win. It's exactly the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. And to get started, just go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSConsumerAccess.org, number 3030. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. 
A question from Matthew Waddell, whose last name I'm probably mispronouncing. Sorry, Matthew. Uh, Matthew writes, I've never fully understood shorting stocks. I had always been thinking about shorting Sears until it was announced they were going bankrupt. Can you explain what happens if a company you short goes bankrupt? How can you be paid if there is no longer any money in the company? Good question. And I'm sure, I know for a fact, Matthew's not the only person either listening to this podcast or working at this company who thought about shorting Sears. Yeah, you were advocating it more or less. Reading between the lines, this was your stock advice for like the last 10 years. Uh, I don't think I was the only one saying, looking at Sears and saying, boy, this really seems like a company that's going to be going out of business unless they reverse course. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't give direct stock advice. I, no, I'm but not. Really, listening to you going back, really I mean, I think the, the subtext was why are you all out there not shorting this stock? <laughs> why am I not shorting this stock? That's what I that's what I hear when I hear the echoes of your coverage of Sears over the last ten years. Are you which doing, was which would have been good advice for people to listen to, including Matthew here. Uh, you know, it took longer than I certainly thought it was going to take, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's going to zero, it doesn't matter that much how long it takes. You get you get to keep all the money one way or the other. So how does how does it work? Uh, so I borrow. Say Sears is for some reason back in the past going for a hundred dollars a share, and I think it's uh, going to zero because it's going to go bankrupt. Then I borrow shares from somebody else. My my broker will find those shares for me. I borrow those shares and sell them immediately. Uh, so I. Will someday have to get those shares back because I've borrowed them from somebody, uh, and I sell the shares. I, you know, borrow a thousand shares. I sell them for a hundred dollars. I now have a hundred thousand dollars of cash, and in my broker statement, it says I have negative, you know, thousand thousand shares of Sears. Someday I'm going to have to pay those back if, if Sears goes to zero. It's pretty cheap. To to find those thousand shares uh, back and, and return them to uh, their unhappy owner, uh, so it, it, they're not really getting paid by Sears. Uh, you're you're getting paid by the market in that case. Do you short stocks? I have, uh, not right now. What was the last stock that you remember shorting? Uh, I can't remember because having having moved to uh, um, asset management, I think. Before doing that, I think I closed all those. But uh, I had shorted some housing-related stocks back in 08, 09. And when I've never shorted a stock before, when you do that, is your my assumption on shorting stocks is that, and I'll just speak for myself personally, I would need to have the greatest conviction possible. I would need to have a greater conviction shorting a stock than I would in. Owning a stock, and that's because of uh, the factor of time. That there are, we've talked before about people who are right directionally uh, when they talk about shorting stocks, but in the short term, um, the stock, I mean, and we've seen that with Sears. We've seen moments with Sears where at various points the stock has gone up 15, 20% in a single day, even though the business is, you know, been terrible and getting worse year after year. So when you were shorting stocks, was that the case with you, where you thought, "All right, I'm, I'm keeping this transaction on the shortest leash that I own"? 
Yeah, much shorter leash than uh, than something you own because not only uh, can you you can be wrong in sort of more ways. Uh, your uh, downside is unlimited. That is, uh, if you buy shares of Sears and it goes to zero, then you lose all your money. If you buy shares of Sears and it quadruples, I mean, you short Sears and it quadruples, you're out many times your original investment. Yeah. Uh, so you do have to have a higher level of confidence or you know a higher level of um, attention that you're paying to it. Uh, and a lot of people have lost money shorting stocks, even though they were right about the the larger thesis on the basis that. Uh, you know this this company, good as it is, is just overpriced right now, and the the market is going to think like I do in the near future. And so during the the dot com boom, a lot of people were ultimately right about the overvaluation of those companies, but in the short term, the uh, they were hurt pretty badly by by being on the wrong side of the insanity. Uh, we're going to get back to Hasbro in just a second because I know there was one other piece of the Hasbro business you wanted to talk about. But first, want to give a quick shout out to uh, Akash Pasricha, who's visiting Fool headquarters today. He's down here from Toronto. Um, uh, he's a student up there and uh, just happened to be in the DC area and came by. So, Akash, thanks for coming in. Um, also, one one little thing about Akash for people who are looking for interesting podcasts, um, he hosts a podcast called Operation Internship, which involves talking with students who have worked in corporate internships. So you can check that out on uh, on the iTunes, the Stitcher, all the place you find podcasts. It's called Operation Internship. Um, Hasbro. Struggling as it is, as we talked about, has aligned itself with some pretty uh, strong brands, as you mentioned, Disney, Marvel, uh, some of which uh, you may have heard end up on the big screen. They end up making movies. I don't know if you knew that about Marvel characters, but sometimes they make movies about them. Really? Have you been to any of these? uh, I've been to a couple. Were anybody anybody else in the theater at the time? Yeah, it was. It was. uh, There were a couple where it was hard to get a well kept secret. Yeah, Um, but as you pointed out when we were trading emails this morning, look, they got a lot of brands, and not all of them have made it to the big screen, and so maybe that's an opportunity for them. And um, when you look at uh, their gaming brands, you look at. what they refer to as their emerging brands, um, you know, challenger brands, etc. Is there is there one that leaps out at you as like, boy, I, if ever they were going to make a movie out of something, this would be a good a good time to do that. Well, so they they have done very well with Transformers, and there's another Transformers movie coming out. Um, and I think part of the quarterly story was that they didn't have a Transformers movie last quarter, and I think they did the year before. So the the, the, com- the comparison of uh, earnings may have been affected by that. And and just as a quick aside, for anyone who is a fan of movies and looks at the the seemingly never-ending supply of Transformer movies that get made, and if like me, you're looking at that saying, "Why? Why do they keep making those?" Uh, that's where international box office comes into play, because for whatever people think, whatever movie reviewers think of the Transformers movies themselves here in the United States, they do huge box office outside the United States, and that's why they keep making them. Yeah, they've had a Clue, I guess, long ago. 
That was a movie. Yeah, in terms of board games. Jenga, I don't see Jenga making its way into a movie. Not a good movie. No. 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 Uh, Play-Doh? Classic, but really, where do you go with the movie ideas for that? With a movie concept for Play-Doh? Yeah. Um, that might be that. That might have the greatest uh, delta in terms of classic toy that kids play with, and wow, would that not translate to the big screen at all? Now, Lego has done incredibly well with its movies. Yes. Uh, so, where would I go with this? I I don't know. I I might go with. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I was just going to say, I feel like Dungeons. You were you were a uh, dungeon master no. back in your day, weren't never, you? Never played D and D. Spent a lot of time playing D and D. Nope, never, no. never. You're uh, not admitting to it. No. For some reason, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I, I I don't begrudge the people who play D and D. Friends of mine played it, and it, it was explained to me, and I just just like I I don't know. I don't think that's for me. Yeah. Um, also, I'd... along those same lines, Trivial Pursuit. I feel like Trivial Pursuit might lend itself to a live action game show with celebrities, possibly, but not to a movie. Yeah. If there's a Trivial Pursuit movie, then something has gone seriously wrong in Hollywood. Yeah, I think technology's caught up to where Dungeons and Dragons could do pretty well. Uh, although I don't actually know what the premise of the game was, other than there seem to have been dragons, which are very popular these days. They are. So, also dungeons and and, <laughs> and creative weapons, as I understand it. Uh, Look, I mean, Game of Thrones isn't Game of Thrones really Dungeons and Dragons on some level? Pretty much. Um, as two guys who never played Dungeons and Dragons, we assume that uh, that's what people were absorbed with. Let me let me push back on any listener who is either a huge fan of D&D or a huge fan of Game of Thrones and is very upset right now <laughs> that we're making this comparison. I'll just say this as someone who never played D&D, it's a, the the onus is on you to convince me that Game of Thrones is not the televised version of D&D. The onus is on you. I've I, I, you know, we've talked before. You're you're a lawyer or were once upon a time and we've had various conversations where you've said I'd be happy, to, you know, given this lawsuit, given this case, whether it's in the business world or not, you've said, and I'm paraphrasing, I'd feel pretty comfortable taking that case, that side of the case. I feel pretty comfortable making the taking this side of the Game of Thrones D and D case. My suspicion is that there's there, the, for whatever reason, this is my my uninformed suspicion. There, there's less sex in Dungeons and Dragons than Game of Thrones. That's probably a safe bet. Probably, yeah, and, and it's probably a little less violent. I mean, yes, unless. Unless it's like live action D and D, in which case, then possibly horrible things are happening. Is Magic the Gathering something that there have been movies for? Uh, I You're don't... a big Magic the Gathering player. <laughs> uh, no, I'm also a looking fan. at I'm, I'm also looking at Furby, another Hasbro brand, and I, I has that been made into a like the big screen? I don't know. That might have been a, like a direct to video situation. Nerf. We're, I don't know. We're way. Past. We're just naming things now. Yeah, no, yeah. we're way past. We apologize. The point. Yeah, as it, always. This needs to be. Yeah, this really should have been taken up on an apropos of nothing episode. Could be. 
Could be coming soon. Apropos of nothing, four. You keep threatening for the four and pe- not delivering for the four or five people who are actually interested. That episode is coming soon. Uh, you can read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues. Go to foolfunds.com and sign up for declarations. It's free. It's free, and it comes once a month, and it's got good investing stuff in it. So for crying out loud, it's just once a month. Go go sign up for that. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>